0: Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith. This is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants. It's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week University conducted double blind placebo controlled study. Participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like bi-optimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product, Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code Integrative Thoughts 10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, MAG Breakthrough. My brother Jose, welcome back to season two, man. How you been?
1: What's up? Uh, it's been a while, man. Definitely. Uh, it's been a minute since season one, since the movie jumped on and and, and uh, dropped in. I'm doing great, man. Feeling good, feeling inspired, feeling deeply supported and uh, just honored to be here, man. appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I feel like you've evolved quite a bit, even though you have the same kind of message since we've last spoke. So that's why I kind of was like, I can have Jose on again, because uh, the content you've been creating has been really dope and uh, everything's super aligned with a lot of the things that I, I enjoy and try to preach as well. So why don't you um, let everyone know who didn't listen to the first episode, kind of your background story and how you got into men's work.
1: Yeah, appreciate that. A lot has evolved. And, uh, th- I appreciate the reflection, man. It means a lot to be witnessed in that evolution. Um, my, my story, man. Uh, well, you know, I could tell you I'm a, a men's, uh, life and leadership coach, uh, you know, apprentice rite of passage guide, somatic practitioner, all those identities that, um, are sent in the bio. Uh, but I think, you know, when we strip away all those, Titles and identities, and I'm just a man who um, really uh, followed his path, starting with a place of pain and ending with, or or continuing uh, currently in a place of purpose, but ending up at a place of purpose. Um, The highlight reel is that throughout my life, I negotiated my truth, I compromised my integrity, um, for the sake of preserving relationships, for the sake of preserving, um, you know, the the money, the salary, the uh, the raise, the all the things that I thought it meant to be the man, um, and that started since I was a kid. I feel like it was a lot of boxes. I, I never fit into any box, but I was always, because of that. I was always trying to fit in. Um, so when I was five, my parents divorced, I was living in Puerto Rico, born here. And and then I went to the States with my mom. Uh, and that was like a, a, a big shock. Um, one, obviously parents divorcing at five years old, that, that hit me pretty hard. And two, having my parents, you know, us and Puerto Rico, there was a big split there. And then three, you know, already starting to make friends here on the Island as a little boy. And, uh, going to the states and feeling like I was just in this, you know, different world. Um, same thing I experienced when I was in high school. I was already kind of like uh, well connected in my hood and and just had a lot of friends back home. But I started going to a um, kind of like a county school that I got accepted to, and all the kids were white in in that school. And I just remember this this kind of feeling of. I was pretty pretty smart kid. I was too smart for uh, not too smart for, but I was just kind of like the the nerdy kid or the you know you're too white. I would I would I would get when I went back to my hood, and then when I went to school, it was like you're too hood and and you're just not fitting into like ninety percent of the kids that are here, and uh, to all that ping ponging just back and forth from different like into different in different communities and and um the feeling of not fitting in just uh i felt like you know in order for me to um feel seen in order for me to be respected in order for me to be liked i had to kind of figure out a way to blend them all together right Um, along that journey my parents got back together and um, i don't think for the best And they know that now, uh, but everything happened for a reason. So throughout that journey, my father was very uh, uh, stoic and would always, you know, hold in, suppress his emotions. And my mom was pretty anxious and kind of, um, you know, easily triggered during that time because it was a very rough passion, their relationship. Fast forward to that. uh, Fast forward from there, my my calling was always to be of service, but I didn't really know how that was gonna look like when I was a kid. I thought it was gonna be, you know, being a doctor. I used to have one of those like Flintstone cars where you pedal with your your feet and put, I would put like this light bulb on top to like pretend I was an an EMT and like riding around in the ambulance. So that kind of drew me to getting my degree in psychology. It was like this feeling of, okay, well, I'll get some insight into what the hell's going on in my house and with my parents. Maybe understand like mindset a little bit better and be able to create the life that I want, the life I love. Um, But when I went in, I kind of just drifted into and kind of like got distracted and, and fell into marketing, which I was also really inspired by more of the consumer psychology vibe. But... I kind of uh, shifted directions, got caught up in the corporate hamster wheel and forgot why I initially got drawn to psychology in the first place. And um, this piece is really what shifted everything. It wasn't until six years after I got my degree in psychology that I actually went to a therapist. Even though I understood childhood developmental of trauma. I understood stages of development. I understood like anxiety, depression, all of those things. Um, I, I still was going by the stigma and the societal kind of, uh, paradigm of you only go to a therapist, especially as men, if something's broken or you got to fix, you know, you got something to fix. And that's literally what I waited for. You know, I, I, my relationship experienced a big breakdown. Um, and I did not know where to go. Uh, there was, there, I didn't have the re- I couldn't find the resources or the right support from my friends, from my, my parents, because um, they were going through their own thing and um, it really stemmed for, from their divorce. So I was like, fuck okay, it, I'm gonna go to a therapist. And that was very supportive and helped me really understand my my trauma and just the experiences that I was navigating and how all of it was showing up. But I, I felt like it was also limited. Uh, I was, I was, it felt like I was just caught up in this trauma loop and really just going into the story a little bit too much. And what broke me out of it was experiencing a men's, a men's group. And I stepped into a men's group, and I remember just listening to a man share a story and then another man share a story and another man share a story. And all these guys either were going through stories that I felt like, wow, if they're going through that, Then, you know, I'll get through this or, wow, he's going through the thing or has gone through the thing that I went through. And he's badass. Like he he's he came out of it. He's good. I'm good, too. And it, it was it was almost this like resonance and this breath of fresh air. And then along that along with that came some powerful questions that guys were asking me. Um, they weren't afraid to like ask the wrong question. Uh, they weren't, um, asking a question based off of, you know, uh, you know, any, any selfish desires. It was really this kind of like, Hey, you're in the space. I I don't want anything from you, but you say, this is the man that you want to be, or you're tired of being this man. So here's some questions just mirror back to you. What's going on, what we see in your life that really just shifted things for me. Um, and led me to doing that work on a more somatic level, um, really experiencing uh, uh, a lot of cathartic releases and connecting to the feelings and the emotions that were suppressed and kind of stagnant energy in my body. And l- that led me into just the whole somatic world and embodiment uh, training world and all of that breath work, et cetera. Um and it all came together in such a beautiful way. I mean the last the last piece that really I think is going to be the what, what ties it all together and most of this conversation is going to be about is um you know, that inspired modern Renaissance because what I realized when I was going to these spaces is that a lot of men like myself were waiting for a breakdown in their lives in order to access these spaces but we don't break most of us, are already used to going to the gym before there's a breakdown. We go to the gym to increase our performance. We go to the gym to, um, you know, level up uh, our body and also our mindset. We kind of have that understanding. So I felt like there was a gap uh, in, in emotional intelligence and just like leveling, leveling up as men and continuing to bridge that gap between who we are, who we're becoming, not just when we're falling short, but already, while well, we're on our well on our way, um, so to make it sexy and give it a vibe and create a culture uh, of of community and men that enjoy working on themselves um, and enjoy, uh, you know, leveling up at all stages of the journey. Boy, which you know you, you mentioned before this, the we hit record. Boy and I kind of similar. Uh, uh, journey and we met at my men's circle. He was one of the guys that came through almost every single week. And we both had this thought, like, why don't we create a lifestyle brand? That's also a community and an organization for men to incorporate all of these tools that we've gained along the way, uh, the same way they, you know, go shopping, the same way they go to the gym, the same way they get a haircut, you know, every week, every two weeks. Um, And that's that's what's led me here. So, you know, I do rites of passage. I lead rites of passages. I lead breathwork experiences that get really cathartic and and uh, help men fully express the 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 full gamut of their emotions. I am a leadership coach, a life coach that dives into the trauma. But at the core, like I'm just all I'm. What led me to this point was community the craving for community so that's that's a little bit about my my background and how it all converged. i know it was a lot but everything now makes sense in those moments they were like separate and didn't make too much sense but now um it all came together and allows me to you know bring something hopefully unique and different to the space
0: yeah that's amazing so before we dive into the men's work i kind of want to circle back and touch on Something that it's going to seem different, but I definitely relate to is kind of like that um, with the moving and uh, like, you know, being, you know, all the white kids, but back home with that. It's interesting being a white person, but I was born in Flint, Michigan. So my whole neighborhood, like I only had black friends when I went to elementary school. I was probably one of three, four white kids in there. The rest were either like Spanish or black, everything like my literal nickname in elementary was Milky. I swear to god that's what they all called me <laughs> like, no, like no joke but then fast forward um i was probably like nine or ten years old I, I always grew up with you know black neighbors and uh in a black community just that's who i evolved with we moved um over one town over and there was like one black kid in the entire school and i can remember asking my mom like well yo where like where's all the black people like the first day of school like i was I was almost in culture shock. I had never been around that many white people really ever. And I didn't even like, when you're so young, you don't even know it exists. And so then my mom was uh, dating a black guy and like a lot of his friends would be over and they were all just like Flint people and dealing drugs and stuff. So it was, it was like, I was like, wild, wildly, like still in the like, the like black community a lot. But then also like, when I went to school, it was, like, all white kids, so I, like, always make friends with the black people because I understood them and stuff like that. But I get where you're coming from because it's, like, you, you got to play, like, chameleon, right? You're, like, I can't be a little yeah. too hood around all these white people. Like, I would always get in trouble for sagging my pants and my clothes. <laughs> like all kinds of shit, right? like they Like, they didn't like anything I was doing, but I didn't know anything different. You know, it's just what I, this is what I knew. You're 10 years old. You're like, you don't, you're not even trying at that point. You're just literally doing the shit that you've always been doing. And I remember that I'd have to like play chameleon in these like different circles. And, uh, I think as an adult, part of that played into like some, I almost like an identity crisis, right? You didn't know which way was right or wrong because you could be one person around a certain group of people. And then you gotta be another around another group of people that you're going to be judged And so you like really learned how to like fit in, even though it was never like about fitting in, it was like, you had to like monitor like certain things that you did and the way you dressed or the way you talked around certain people, just so you didn't get this judgment. And I think as I got older, there was like a little bit of identity crisis I had to work through with that. Like, am I gonna keep pleasing people or am I just gonna be myself or like what, like what is the right direction? Am I supposed to play the game? And like be who they want me to be or am i just going to be literally who i want to be and ultimately i ended up just being who i wanted to be because i felt like that was that that was my truth and that was just who i authentically was i wasn't trying to be anyone else they didn't know like, people at, at the all-white school didn't understand where i come from or what i was still seeing at home it wasn't like i had just left that culture forever my mom was still dating this guy who was definitely super hood and like dealing drugs, guns. Like I was like seeing this shit every day at home, but then at school, like they had never been around any of that. And so, um, I kind of want to like circle back and like, I understand how you like, it's not as dramatic as moving from Puerto Rico to to America. That's so. probably a whole, whole nother thing, but these were two separate worlds, even though they were 20 minutes apart or whatever and i right. had to kind of play that role as well and then as i get older realize whether i was going to keep playing that game or just be me and ultimately i just decided to be me
1: yeah and and i love, I love thank you for sharing that man and uh i love that you you ended like cherry on top ultimately i was just going to be me what it made me think of is like i was i was a blend of all of those things right because um I had to, I had to strip them all away and kind of like take a good look at, okay, how many of these things are things that I'm just doing? Because maybe they were relevant when I was 15, but are no longer relevant. Or maybe I just did in order to be that chameleon and blend in and feel like I I was welcomed. And how many of these things are actually like things I adopted that express my truth still, right? You know, um, uh, uh, like for example, you know, during corporate, I noticed myself shift uh, during my years in corporate. I noticed myself, um, almost sh- losing part of my personality without going into details of what that personality was. It was like I was adjusting myself, um, not only, not just to keep my job, uh, you know, but to, to, to not be the guy that was, you know, too much. I remember, um, I already had, a couple tattoos and I got a few more while I was in corporate. Still didn't have my hand, my my neck and all that stuff. But, um, it was just kind of like this, these looks I would get like, are you, you know, like you're not going to be able to, it's going to affect your raise or your this or that. And I was just like, you know, uh, this is who I am. My work is top notch. Like if, if that's the problem, we'll have that conversation. But uh, just really reflecting on how even after like every stage, I had to kind of shed some things. And I think throughout corporate and coming out of that, it wasn't until, you know, I actually went even deeper to connect with my truth where I was able to say almost like a closet, you know, spring cleaning. Like, you know, I bought this two years ago. I had a different style, but I could still rock this like. I, I can still use this. It makes sense. It aligns with, you know, what I want to express. And this thing here, it's like, yeah, it's just not it's not my vibe anymore. I get why I wore it, you know, but it's time to, it's time to get something that replaces it. And then sometimes the thing you replace it is a combination of, like, those things, you know? So it uh, makes me think of uh, of, uh, Kanye back in the day, <laughs> you know, uh, polos and backpacks, right? It was like a blend of just everything. Um, and everybody was like, you know, what is he wearing? He's, he's wearing his pants like this, but he's wearing a backpack from this, you know, it was like a blend that didn't make sense. But, you know, for me, it started to make sense. Those blends, the more, I, the more I, you know, relinquished the need to be accepted or understood. Um, and ironically that ended up inspiring more people to do the same. So love that you said, like, you know figuring out who you were and deciding to be you. But I think it's also a process of like delayering and then deciding for yourself uh, what inspired us uh and where do I remain sovereign um and reflect who I am beneath all the bullshit through through some of the bullshit that's still swaggy and we wanna <laughs> we wanna keep along with the right. Yeah. <laughs> no for sure. And I like how you said
0: that because it wasn't like Either either camp was super wrong or super right. It was just about they were very different and very opposite and wasn't always accepting. And I I definitely love both parts of my like my ratchetness hood side, but definitely you gotta shed some of that as you get older as well. Because that's not gonna serve you. But you know, that just um and then also like more some more correct styles, stuff I learned over in the more of the whiter community when we moved over, but also they weren't perfect either so they had a lot of you know a lot of bullshit they were preaching to be perfect as well that they thought were superior to like things that i the way i dressed or the way i did but you know like so i like that yeah i don't neither of them were super right or super wrong it was just like you got to shed the unwanted parts as you get older and you try to integrate both of these lifestyles that you grew up witnessing basically and that's that's really what makes it And, and i'm super grateful that i had the diversity like that and Now I, I mean, I connect with people of all colors. Like I see no colors. Like, like, you know, I didn't get into any of that. And that's been, I mean, a lot of people didn't grow up that way. Like, you know, people in the white communities can be super racist or even in the black community, they're never around white people. And so like, I was cool. Like I would go out to all the black bars and hang out and I go out to the white bars and hang out. And it was just like, I was wherever I was, I was good. So I, I liked that. It was like kind of diversified me quite a bit and from a cultural aspect and, uh, yeah. yeah, like I said, take a little bit of blend city. from them both. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. It, it can be a little nerve wracking when you're young and you're trying to find yourself and right. know like what what's what and how you're supposed to be. But as you get older, you're like, oh, that shit actually like helped me out quite a bit. Like I understand right. people from different cultures in a different way, and
1: like that's a lot of people don't have that. Right, right. Understand others and also um, the word bridge comes up right we, we, we're bridges we're bridge worlds together so there's an opportunity to bridge bridge those worlds together and also create something new that people never thought you know could be possible they should be separate you know uh, i think uh um one thing that you know for example uh a lot of guys uh talk to be like well you know, if I, if I, if I go down, if I cultivate spiritual practice, does that mean that I have to let go of listening to hip hop, you know, or <laughs> if I, um, you know, uh, start doing this work, does that mean that, um, you know, uh, I can't um, fill in the blank with whatever. There's almost like this separation. And I think that's the beauty uh, for guys like us and anybody that, you know, feels conflicted about the spaces that they're in. Um, initially, yeah, it does feel confusing for us, like because uh, we we just want to be liked, want to be loved. And then uh, there's this beautiful opportunity to create a bridge and share with other people what's possible. You know, what's possible beyond um, the 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 paradigms that we we uh, grow up in. And that one piece I will say, I was listening to a podcast with Rick Rubin the other day. If you don't know who Rick Rubin is, he's like one of the top, like, non-conventional uh, producers. Uh, most of the songs that like shifted uh, just what music is today, he was that guy that kind of tweaked things and brought it together. And he was just talking about how he uh, brought together, you know, the song Walk This Way. And he brought Aerosmith and and uh, run DMC together, and that at that time, so many uh, radio stations on both sides, the hip-hop radio stations, the rock radio stations, were like, we're not playing this. Like, this, is, it, this bridge should not happen. And then, uh, and then, like, after six months, a year, it was the top song on all of those radio stations. And You know, he wasn't he wasn't bragging, but I think it's it it makes sense because a lot of what we see today in music is this hybrid that just continue to be refined and allowed like these cultures to to blend. So um, I think we get to be that bridge in things like health, well-being, spirituality, uh, men's work, uh, emotional intelligence, lifestyle. And that that really excites, excites me a lot. Yeah, so let's dive into
0: it. Um, what does men's work look like when people are in your men's group or you do a lot of men's work circles and live meetups and Zooms? Like, what does that look like when you guys all get together?
1: Yeah, well, first I'll def- I'll, I'll share what my my thoughts around what men's work is, because it's a term that in our space, it's, it's, it's common, but not everyone's familiar with it. Um, you know, for me, men's work means it's, it's just spaces uh, tools, resources, containers, um, experiences that allow or that that um, allow men to really do their inner work, their their healing, their um, focus on their well-being, uh, face their shadows, do anything that's related to just being the best man that we could be. Um, and it's not the end all, be all. So what I mean by that is that ultimately. The best work is coming together um, as a community and really healing together. And I do believe, and what I've experienced, is that something happens when men come together and have a, an intention, have a standard, have agreements, have uh, uh, you know, a, an understanding of why they're there and how they're going to support each other, right? So uh, what that includes is confidentiality, right? Every container looks different when it comes to that, but I always like to say that structure creates freedom. So if we know what our boundaries are, we can explore everything in between. And confidentiality is one of those where, you know, when I first experienced uh, other men sharing things that I thought I would never... You know, I, I I never knew that men were experiencing these things. Um, I knew I thought I knew I was experiencing them. And there were things that went beyond my experience that when I heard there was just this standard and this respect for the standard of confidentiality. Like I can hold this man's uh, story and be with that. Let it let it change who I am. Allow allow it to be part of how I lead and show up in my relationship and other areas of my life without having to share that story, right? There was like an element there of just honoring that. Non-judgment, right? So there's uh, accountability and non-judgment are some other standards in there of like, I think the biggest piece that we're, we're missing uh, right now in just society is a higher level of accountability. You know, that doesn't mean cancel, That means counsel. It means like walking into a space and saying, this is the kind of man I want to be. Uh, Or, hey, I don't know what kind of man I want to be, but this is what my life looks like right now. And having others hold us accountable to that standard. Now, we, we can stand in front of a mirror and see our reflection, but we can only see, get a 360 view if we have mirrors all around us. So all of us have blind spots, regardless of where we're at in our journey. And unless we have others around us who will tell us not what we want to hear, but tell us what we need to hear, just a reflection of what is there um, without advice, but just like honesty and without judgment. Uh, if we don't have that, then we can't be the best men that we want to be, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's a big piece to what big element and component to and philosophy that we bring into our spaces. Like I said, we've had, we have a free chat where there's 360 men and all of them are checking in and sharing how their day's going. The standards is not that high, right? And the reason for that is because we want to give men the opportunity to go step-by-step, you know, maybe it's the first time they've shared something in a group of men, right? A lot of us are uncomfortable about even sharing, hey, today I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling overwhelmed, and I'm feeling um, tired, right? Even sharing three words. And most of us say, hey, bro, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, right? We don't even actually answer that question. So the standard there is really just open space, guys come in, and as long as we keep it clean, we, we don't uh, bully, you know, uh, those standards that kind of allow for community. There's that. And then that goes all the way up to our rite of passage, right? Where we we take men on a four-month journey and uh, eight days out in the wilderness where they're literally, uh, for four days out of those eight days, claiming what they're stepping into in this next evolution of their lives and what they're leaving behind. And they have other initiated men holding them to that standard. Right. That's, that's, it's a very high standard of you said you were going to be this band. What is it going to look like? What is it going to take? What do you have to let go of? Um, so everything in between. But I, I, I just think that regardless of, and not every brotherhood is built the same. Not every community is built the same. But one of the most important things to creating uh, one that allows for deeper connection, authentic conversations. And really uh, a, 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 a greater opportunity for vulnerability and growth at the same time, um, our standards, you know, our standards that uh, bring in confidentiality, bring in non-judgment, bring in a uh, high uh, standard of accountability so the edge can be brought without taking shit personally, right? Because I think all of us want to be the best men we could be looks different for everybody, um, but it, it it's a much great, much more fun ride and powerful ride when we have others around us that are as committed to their own experience and their own life and creating the life that they love as we are. It doesn't matter what, how similar or different they are. Um, that's really the, the, the philosophy that we have at MRM. It's creating containers where guys can and create the life that they want. And that looks different, different levels, but it all comes down to this standard that we all agree on and are committed to upholding.
0: That's beautiful, brother. Thanks for sharing. So it sounds like it's just a safe container. You guys meet up, whether it's on Zoom or in person. Men are only with other men and they, they can trust that all of their secrets will stay within that container and they can explain how they're feeling, what they're going through. Because a lot of times, even if you have a significant other, it's harder to explain to her, especially as men, we kind of get challenged with the saying, hey, I'm feeling sad today, or I'm feeling tired, just simple words, even we're just kind of like always power through like everything's okay, that kind of blue collar style mentality, just lace the boots up and keep it going, right? <laughs> sweep, it under, sweep it under the rug and keep pushing. But as we, a lot of us integrated style people, we start to realize like, fuck, that doesn't, that only works for so long. And then it's like, then you're just like a ticking time bomb ready to explode at some point because you haven't expressed any of your needs or wants. So it's just a group of community of men, whether you guys meet online or in person where they can feel safe and feel heard and then work through that. And then also on the back end, you have somebody making sure that you follow through with what you said you were going to do in the men's
1: circle as well. Right. I mean, even even beyond the we, we, depending on the container, we try to we create the space for men to practice uh, holding other men accountable. Right. So, um, you know, while we do have facilitators, we do have, uh, you know, uh, certified coaches and and all the things, uh, depending on the container, um, a big thing with specifically the the uh, the the groups where the accountability and the the um, the vulnerability is present, really, we we empower men to be able to do to to ask powerful questions, to uh, reflect what they see in others. Uh, because when we practice that, and I found when I practiced that myself before all the coaching and all the work that I um, in my journey through really gathering tools and and supporting others, I realized that when I started practicing asking other men questions, um, I was able to ask myself these questions like, OK, this guy is going through something and I see something here. Let me ask him this question. And where did that question come from? Well, it came from self-reflection. What would I want to ask myself or what would I ask myself if I was going through that? And I noticed that I was solving a lot of problems before they happened because I had witnessed other men kind of going through that, ask that question, and I saw myself in it and was able to ask myself the same question. Oftentimes, we're not able, we have difficulty as men to really go deep and ask ourselves those introspective questions. And even when we know how, we have blind spots, right? So a big part of MRM is not just the brotherhood. Um, Not just like the self-mastery tools that, you know, like breath work and meditation, et cetera. Also the coaching and uh, the training, uh, because, you know, we think about high performers, right? Uh, Let's think about athletes, right? Think about athletes. Jordan didn't only have or Kobe didn't only have a coach when they were in the rookie year. They had a coach all the way up to their, uh, you know, game six before winning the final and in fact they probably had coaches beyond just the team coach that helped them shoot better, pass better, train their bodies in different ways. same thing with boxers you know they have different coaches for cardio for for a hitting coach, uh, uh, a sparring coach etc so the same applies to us wherever we're at. Um, we need to have those blind spots. You know, coaching allows us to uh, really break through limiting beliefs, uh, identify blind spots, uh, leave behind patterns, and not a lot of men um, and just people in general, I think coaching is still something we're in the space, so we see a lot of coaches, but coaching is still something that's new for a lot of men. So we kind of integrate that into the brotherhood. So it's not just, um, you know, asking powerful questions, but also going a bit deeper. You know, for example, last week I hosted an immersion. That's a little bit different than our, you know, our 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 groups that meet, meet bi-weekly and weekly um, just to kind of keep that consistent pulse and check in on, on accountability. This was like four hour, deep container, where we had, you know, one, we had uh, an anchor release, we had um, guys connecting on a deeper level and sharing things that maybe they have not yet shared in our, in our uh, the ongoing uh, online container spaces. I was able to really ask powerful questions that um, maybe, you know, we don't have, the, it, it wouldn't be appropriate to do so on the telegram, right? Uh, so. It's, it, all, it all looks different, but I think you said it beautifully. Uh, at the core, it's, it's really uh, just men seeing each other and uh, letting each other know what they see because it, it, it goes a long way to, to find out what those blind spots are and have someone kind of remind us of who we are. I think we all need that reminder from time to time
0: yeah that's amazing so with all the men you work with and everything that you see why do you think uh society recently has this kind of virtue signaling kind of cancel culture um masculinity is toxic what do what do you think that comes from
1: yeah um great question so first i want to say that um i want to say and i want to honor um anyone and everyone who has uh, an experience with, or an understanding of, or context around masculinity based on something that's happened to them or has impacted them in some way. I think all of us, uh, safe to say, regardless of what kind of parents we had, uh, father figures, um, leaders in our lives, etc all of us have experienced um, some sort of societal uh, like trauma, expectations, stories, layers of context to what masculinity is, based on what we've seen on movies, based off of conversations that have been had, based off of social media. It can be really confusing, and uh, I felt confused. You know, like what do, what does a man, what does being a man actually mean? I didn't feel like I had my grandfather's um, weren't. I feel like the greatest example. Uh, they were navigating. My 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 grandfather's. My father's side passed when I was three from uh, liver disease and drinking a lot. My father had has maybe ten to fifteen half brothers and sisters. Um, you know, it, in my family. I think the average person would refer to my grandfather as the epitome of toxic masculinity. And my father really tried his best to shift that and and do differently. But that led him to relinquishing a lot of his power, relinquishing a lot of characteristics because they were bundled in there with um, with, you know, if I am this person or if I have these characteristics, then I am toxic because I've seen other men express uh, these characteristics along with their shadow, but not, you know, not understanding that I, this is, this is what I was navigating. Um, so I can't, I can't adopt those characteristics. I can't fully express my truth and own my power because if I do, I will harm some, I will, uh, be this toxic individual. And, uh, I share all of that because when we look at indigenous, uh, cultures and really go back to like, um, I, I guess, Pre-pre empire uh, history, um, there was a deep reverence for both the masculine and the feminine. There was there was an understanding that they were both sacred. There's an understanding that these are dualities that live within us. And um, typically, as men, so thinking about the sex now, uh, we we usually lean more towards the masculine. And as women, the sex, we usually lean more towards feminine. That doesn't mean that we don't have those energies, the other energies within us. And I actually believe that is the lack of integration and understanding of both those energies within us that, and the lack of integration, understanding of our shadow and the healing around the aspects that may be considered toxic and that get expressed through masculinity, that's usually what ends up, uh, you know, harming, um, the world and the planet. So connecting those two pieces of the reverence for those, those both those energies that we, we literally, you know, we see still in indigenous cultures today, and, and, uh, and then looking at all the things that have happened that have created these, um, these responses to masculinity, um, I think we see two paradigms. There's 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 the paradigm of um, hypermasculinity kind of over emphasizing on that being the energy that needs to be expressed in order to um, uh, to to create the life that we want. Combined with, uh, you know, selfish desires and and kind of less focus on serving our community. There is that paradigm. And in response, we've kind of gone to the other side of the pendulum of let's get, let's get rid of masculinity, right? Let's get rid of the conversation. Let's get rid of the characteristics. But if you think about, if you think about masculine masculinity as traits, as characteristics um, and we think of direction, we think of strength, we think of uh, clarity, we think of stillness, groundedness, those are characteristics that we appreciate in everyone. I think all of us usually appreciate those characteristics in both men and women. We actually need those in society. So the other, the what that has led us to, however, is when we relinquish that, we've got like the nice guy syndrome, right? With Robert, Robert Glover, which Robert Glover talks about beautifully, where men have this fear around, um, Setting boundaries, I have this fear around communicating their their truth, expressing expressing their truth, owning their power. There's like this relinquishing of that because we've confused toxic behavior and unintegrated masculinity and un- and uh, lack of embodiment of of that with to- with toxic behavior, right? Uh, so I think the new paradigm gets to be created which honestly is not that new. I think it's the way that nature tries to balance itself is understanding that uh, we can hold strong boundaries and also empathize with others. We can be powerful men and also from a place of service rather than selfish desires. Uh, We can uh, have, uh, you know, honor our mission and, make it first and a priority and also know that it's for the sake of our families and those we love, right? So I think that's where we get to kind of understand that sometimes as a society and as a culture, we have trauma responses and they are understandable and justified because of all the pain that has happened and has been inflicted and perpetrated by you know uh, uh, a lot of things, a lot of toxic behavior. And then we get to move through that and decide, well, how can we create interdependence within ourselves, honor the masculine and feminine within ourselves and as a society? And uh, I think, I also think that's why Rite of Passages is so important. We'll dive into that in a bit, but yeah. I think that's why Rite of Passages are really important, for the sake of this new paradigm of masculinity. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I wanted to ask you that question because this is kind of like a two-part series on masculinity and uh, health, and I did my buddy Tony earlier, and he's kind of this black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kind of looks real macho online and everything, but, you know, he has this thought process around, um, like, we just have these primal violent urges, and we don't um, have any outlets for them because we can just sit at our computer all day, and since We never wring out that towel and release that urge in a healthy way. We kind of just like explode around a bunch of stimulants. We have no energy. And that masculine energy just kind of comes out as like a brute force, whether it's a a man beating a woman or greed, corporate greed, whatever it looks like that people kind of call this toxic masculinity. And I feel like that is true. And then also I knew that you would come with more of like a uh, emotional style, like integration. Like we don't talk about our emotions enough. We don't have outlets uh, emotionally, basically. And I think it's to me probably a blend of both. Right. We do need healthy movement. We got to move some of the stagnant energy around because we did use to rape, kill, pillage, steal. Like that's that's where we come from, you know. You got a girl, I want her, I'm coming to get her. Or you got gold, you got food, I have none, I'm coming to get it. So there's part of that evolution in us, and we got to learn how to integrate that. And I think movement is good for those kind of primal things. But then there's also this deep, deep layer of trauma and childhood trauma and things that people haven't worked through. So it's probably a mixture of both. They have deep-rooted trauma. They're not moving their body. They're not meditating, they're not getting into breath work, these different uh, avenues and outlets to release emotionally and physically, and then it just becomes a whirlwind of just one day we see a mass murder or we see something crazy that goes on or some some real domestic violence and then then that gets blown up in the media, and all of a sudden masculinity's toxic, but really, I think there's just it's like you say it's basically not integrated enough, and in real masculinity is a leader he's a, a protector a provider like his woman feels safe around him because he does all of the things that she knows that's going to help make him that protector as far as he's in good physical health he's a good father he brings food home even though women can provide just as much as men nowadays but just saying she feels protected around his presence and things like that and he can express his emotions and when you're that masculine when you're tapped in with that you're a different level. That's real masculinity. What we're labeling as toxic is this weird kind of, that's really not masculinity. That's just like cultural society kind of broken down at its core and us not right. really being tapped into like our natural instincts and and finding good outlets to kind of let go of a lot of that tension.
1: Yeah. You said that beautifully. Uh, I mean, here's what, what comes to mind is that as a society, we think that Um, when when men embrace their inner wild and their true nature um, they become dangerous but the reality is it's the opposite when we don't embrace our inner wild understand our true nature and then have healthy spaces to get clear on how that gets to be reflected in the world what ends up happening is that we suppress uh, those emotions, it becomes stagnant energy, we uh, we suppress those shadow aspects of ourselves that maybe developed through societal, generational and personal trauma, right? It's really what it is. And then it gets, it gets projected through the characteristics of masculinity, but it's not what masculinity really is. And just, just want to also touch on how, um, when we think of, when we think of movement, right? Uh, Actually, when we think of emotion, right, um, emotion and feelings is really are really energy, right? They're energy in our bodies that are usually associated with a story or a thought in our minds. And then oftentimes we could even forget the story or the thought. And we might feel an emotion because it's been stored in our body for longer than the thought or the story has. Now, movement is actually one of the best places to start to move some of that energy. You know, you might go to the gym when you're angry, for example, and you are literally moving some of that energy and putting it into the the weights or into the treadmill or, you know, through your sweat, kind of letting it, uh, allowing it to move out of the body. However, that's not the only way to move energy. And it's less of, one or the other it's more of integrating all of them right so we can move energy in our body and we might still have anger there that we never actually allowed ourselves to process so the irony is i mean my father when i was young men men in my life um would typically say hey think with your mind uh stop stop allowing your emotions to 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 get in the way and there is some truth to that right uh the truth is that unprocessed and suppressed emotions and feelings don't allow us to make grounded and, uh, grounded and, um, informed decisions, right? But that doesn't mean that suppressing them is the solution. Reality is that the more we suppress our emotions and our feelings, like you said, the more it bottles up our threshold for handling conflict, for making decisions, uh for for clarity gets diminished because all of that energy is in our body and it's distracting us from actually being able to make those ground decisions from a place of truth so while yes emotions can cloud our uh judgment it's not because emotions are bad it's because we need spaces where we can express our full range of emotions safe spaces Cause I see this in myself throughout my journey. And I also see this in the, the men that I work with the, the, the range to the, the range to our ability to express our full range of emotions dictates our ability to manage that full range of emotion. So whenever a man, uh, uh has, a safe space to express anger or express sadness or express energy that he feels flowing through him without labeling it as a certain emotion and sees that energy is with that energy. He then knows what he's capable of and then knows how to regulate that as well with practice. Right. So um, uh, it's important for us to have those safe spaces to express that emotion, express that energy that feeling, those feelings um, without judgment so that we can then integrate them into our leadership. Because the truth is that the most effective leaders, and just bringing practicality and stats into it, because I know this helps me and it's helped a lot of men to hear numbers. It is proven that high performers, exp- the, the main reason why high performers experience um, more success is because of emotional intelligence by 90%. 90% what makes the difference in high performance is emotional intelligence. Yet, we typically put that aside as something that we only do when um, there's something wrong, we're feeling sad or angry. But why is that? So when we're emotional and intelligent, we can be direct, steadfast in the vision, but we can also have empathy and understand those around us and what their vision is what they're feeling as we're leading. And the cliche line, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, I think it goes beyond that. It's, you know, if we can do anything, but we can't do everything. So if we want to uh, create a life that we love, it requires interdependence, right? Cause independence is really a, we were talking about trauma responses. Independence is usually a trauma response to the fear of dependence. We're actually meant to be interdependent. And interdependence means that we are sovereign, we understand our truth and what unique gifts we bring into the community and also benefit from all the gifts that the community brings to us individually and together. And interdependence requires emotional intelligence. So I really think that before getting to emotional intelligence and emotional transformation we we need to be able to be be aware of our emotions what they are and then have those safe spaces to express them so that we can integrate them and and uh and leverage them to be more effective leaders
0: yeah beautifully said you kind of segued right into the next section that i wanted to talk about anyways and like, cause I've seen you post about emotional intelligence and I've talked about emotional intelligence, uh, throughout my stories and stuff for many, many years, like uh, Gary V kind of got me into it a long, long time ago. And people think of him as this guy who would probably lack emotional intelligence, but if you actually listen to him, he, he, he displays quite a bit of emotional intelligence and, uh, he talks about it a lot. So what does uh, emotional intelligence look like to you and how do people cultivate that?
1: Great question. Um, yeah, you know, I'll give an example of something that's so simple, but uh, it has shifted my life, and I see it impact men's lives, uh, and go so far. Uh, so usually, when we start our, our 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 containers, open up our containers, we'll drop in um, into the present moment, maybe with some breath work, uh, maybe some meditation, maybe just. Uh, Um, an acknowledgement that we're starting the space and opening it up. And then after that comes the check-in, right? And oftentimes that check-in is three words. How are you feeling? Right? I can't tell you how many men are like, wait, how do I answer that? What what do you mean? Right? Like, "I, I don't know. How am I feeling? Right? Have difficulty even identifying how they feel. And then maybe a couple guys go and they hear them and then, Um, They're like, okay, I get it. I'm feeling, you know, happy. I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling this, but um, that small thing of checking in with ourselves, right? I think uh, oftentimes uh, we are experiencing emotions and feelings, and we aren't even allowing ourselves to label them and acknowledge why they're there, which leads me to the second piece, right? First, it's well, what are all the emotions that you're experiencing or that you have experienced and allow yourself to be aware of them. that awareness is really, I think, for everything related to personal, personal development and transformation is the most important piece. Literally asking myself every day, how do I feel right now? Even even when I'm transitioning from work to maybe going on a date, I'll ask myself, how am I feeling right now? Oh, shit. I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm not grounded uh maybe i should do some breaths or take a cold shower or a warm shower and then get myself grounded so i could shift into how i want to feel when i'm with my partner so many of us because of that lack of awareness we just transition with these emotions and these feelings into everything in our lives without knowing how where what our baseline is and how to get there and then the second part was the why you know uh, journaling really helped me become more aware of why I was feeling something I was feeling, and it allowed me to understand whether that feeling was something that um, someone else caused in me, right, which is usually where we start, like the victim uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, mindset of, I'm feeling this way because someone made me feel this way, just writing about it, saying, well, why do I feel this way? Okay, well, you know, my coworker said this thing. And why do you say it? Like it's just literally going into the experience some, some, sometimes gives us all the clarity we need in order to snap out of that feeling and emotion or move it through our body or snap out of the thought and the story that's creating it. Because a lot of our feelings and emotions come from a story that's not that's not actually true. So with that, I will say that journaling or even reflecting on what caused it allows us to build emotional intelligence because we're 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 separating story from fact what are the facts here right what's the story that might be causing this emotion might be causing this feeling um and then you know i would say a space to express and feel feel those emotions that could be by yourself maybe you're not ready to express them with others but i think emotional intelligence. Um, you know, and what leads to emotional transformation is creating space for ourselves to feel it. You know, my model of integrity, when I work with men, it's less about being a man of your word and more about being a man of your truth. And the only way we can access our truth is if we get clear on where our mind is out of integrity, where our body is out of integrity, and then where our heart is out of integrity. Right. And what that means is where, perhaps have you been feeling grief and sadness and haven't actually stopped and giving yourself five minutes to acknowledge and become aware that it's there to understand what, what is creating it cause it. Sometimes we don't even need to know that. And then third, to allow yourself to cry, to allow yourself to feel that. And uh, which leads me to also, expressing and feeling the the emotions like joy and happiness. There's one thing that I see when we think about vulnerability, we always think like saying something that we might be ashamed of, saying something that we're scared to share because someone might think differently of us. But I can't tell you how often, um, you know, I, I, I see men and I see this with myself. They don't allow themselves to feel the full range of their joy, their happiness, and actually, acknowledge that it's there give credit to what what with you know what evoked it and then allow themselves to feel it right like allow yourself to feel the happiness it's not just this sadness or this grief it's the full spectrum of if you're happy right now where are you not allowing yourself to feel this happiness because you feel like if you do you might make someone feel uncomfortable right so i would say that's been the biggest piece of my journey um, to cultivating emotional intelligence is awareness, understanding, and a safe space to express it, right? Um, and I think that just turns into a practice. It becomes much easier for me to know, like, oh, shit, this feeling is there because X, I think I need some space. Maybe I need to postpone this call. So that way I can show it fully when I do have it and just honor myself right now go for a walk. You know, it doesn't mean sobbing every time. Sometimes it means just being with the energy and uh, it doesn't mean, you know, having a party every time you feel excited. Sometimes it means just being with the energy, right? So.
0: Yeah, that was, that was great because I think it's just the awareness for sure. And then also probably many men can be aware but they don't express it anywhere and they kind of still hold it in. So there's no way to really cultivate it um and also i I've, I've learned a lot of it through different podcasts that i listen to and stuff too about men sharing about their emotions and how they feel and how they fucked up relationships and how they've learned from it and that gives me a little bit more of awareness like oh i'm kind of doing the way he's talking about right now like so yeah. it's, it's really like when you when you're in the learning space Sometimes you just think you're listening to a podcast and you get kind of blindsided with some truth that you're like, "I'm literally <laughs> doing that right now." <laughs> you're like, fuck. Right. So there, there can be blindside moments too when you when you're always learning or reading a book or whatever, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like, my wife and I are doing this right now, mostly because of me because I'm an idiot. So right. and so are things that I'm just you know, there's so many little blind spots in our daily nuances and things that we do that could be better. And the awareness is key and the journaling really helps for sure. But I can imagine the the men's group really takes it to another level
1: for sure. Right. I love that you brought that up. That's the fourth piece for me. You know, creating a safe space can be on your own. Um, and those are all different levels. You know, maybe awareness is, is a place where you want to be at for, for a good amount of time. And that's where you feel comfortable. And then maybe, you know, uh, kind of. Uh, journaling or understanding it and getting clear and asking yourself questions that takes you to another level of like okay what caused this what created this then there's the safe space okay I'm gonna allow myself to feel it taking it to another level to your point is uh, there's emotions feelings thoughts stories beliefs paradigms there's so many things that I have been in stuck in that I wasn't aware I was in because they were just normalized and and it was just the way I thought it was like, I didn't even see things that way. So we always like to say mirrors and windows, right? Mirrors are the, 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 the the things, the, the men or just the moments where you're reflected back, you know, who you are is reflected back to you. Like, Hey, I see this in what you're saying. I see this in what you're doing. Windows. That's where. That's where you probably thought that this is the only way things could be. Society told you that, you know, that men have to be the main provider, or that um, if you lose your job, you're you're a failure, or if you don't go to college, you this. All these different societal stories. Then there's the, the generational ones, and then there's the ones you adopt that are maybe created about yourself, like I'm not enough. And someone comes along and opens up a window and just shows you there's a whole nother way to look at this. That takes emotional intelligence to another level because something is revealed that maybe another man saw or is experiencing in his life and you're just awakened to it. And that is one of the easiest ways to dismantle those paradigms, those thoughts, those beliefs, those uh, triggers, Right. There's probably something. I mean, there's relationships are the most beautiful place to learn about ourselves and our triggers. And I'm sure everybody listening who's in a relationship or has been one, he, regardless if it was romantic or just a friend, something was revealed, something triggered us. And having that window be open, like, have you ever thought that maybe you know your friend doesn't owe you anything and actually you know, just hearing that, it's like, fuck, well, yeah, I mean, my, you know, and then you're kind of stuck and it creates this cognitive dissonance and then someone says, well, who, who'd who you learn that from? And you're like, oh, oh shit, like, were you born with that thought? No. Uh, I think my mom, damn, my mom used to always share that, and you go deeper into what's causing that trigger, which is causing that what's causing that story, which is causing that trigger, which is causing that emotion, which is causing that feeling. And it kind of just dismantles all of it. Right. Because we can be in the we can be in a loop. We can be in a trauma loop. We can be in in a in, in thought loop. So even if we are aware of the emotion, understand where it's coming from and create space to express it, I mean It doesn't mean that we want to continue to be in that loop and do that every day. We can experience the same trigger every day and give ourselves those three things. But unless we create a shift in the paradigm and kind of release the stories tied to that feeling or that emotion or a deeper understanding of how we are not the emotion is really what I'm getting at. We are not the feeling. I think that's the next level that we can come to on our own, but with brother with other people around us mirrors, whether it be a coach, community, mentors or brotherhood, it's kind of revealed like I'm not the emotion. I'm not the feeling. These things are created or, or coming to the surface because a part of me is responding to this external uh, stimuli. Right? And that's that's been the biggest shift for me. And uh, I, I will say that breathwork. Has been something that created a, like a whole new, just cracked me open to a whole new level of emotional intelligence. What I mean by that is, oftentimes we use breathwork in our men's uh, more immersive containers, because not just uh, you know meditative breathwork or yogic breathwork, but somatic release, like uh, transformational breathwork that really goes down to into the nervous system and allows us to release and reset all the things that are just stagnant in there and have built over time. And it's been a great tool in these spaces because sometimes men have difficulty uh, having awareness of their emotion, understanding where it's coming from and talking about it. And doing some breath work sometimes releases that energy and other somatic practices as well, where it starts to come to the surface without having to talk about it. That's another thing that I think is really important is, you know, being willing to try things out that allow that energy to move similar to going to the gym and doing like cardio when we're in.
0: Yeah, man, I totally agree. We actually have an amazing breathwork facilitator come to our retreats now and that. For some people, it's harder than doing the combo ceremony. Honestly, it's an over an hour of intense, tense. Um, it's called altered state breath work, but it's meant to get you exactly what you're talking about there. I'm actually going to a breathwork uh, somatic style release, breathwork tonight, when I jump off this call,
1: actually. My friend hey. Zach,
0: um, he went out to Austin and he got trained. I'm going to have him on the podcast. And uh, he's been doing some really good work in the Tampa scene around breathwork. So... I want to uh, check out his breath work a couple times before I have him on the show. So my, my wife and I are actually going tonight. And I, I agree. There's something to do with the breath work where it kind of shuts down the, the monkey brain. For the first while, you're still in that monkey brain. But what you're doing, at least what I from what I've gathered in my learnings, is since you're occupying that monkey brain with the breath work, So it kind of overrides it at a point and then you start dropping in deeper to these where these emotions start to come up and it can be really challenging and struggling. And sometimes I feel pretty wiped out after I do a a long, intense one. Like tonight, I'll probably come home and pass out real good. Um, (laughs) But but a lot of shit can come up towards the end and almost like have kind of a similar like in. The altered state breath work, at least, that um, that my practitioner Lisa does, I kind of almost towards the end drop into this sort of psychedelic state, which is quite bizarre. And there's a lot of integration that happens in that lab. She does these deep, deep breath holds at the end where you, like, hold your breath as long as you can after you've been doing these crazy breathing practices for an hour or over an hour. And During the breath holds, I was like... I was like, out, yeah. out of my body, my body. Up. <laughs> and I came, came back and was like, integrating all this shit. I was like, wow, this is, it's powerful. So that's why we started bringing her to the retreats. Cause uh, it's, it's really is about, it helps with that. Some of that emotional capacity for sure. And sometimes people don't want to talk about it. So you can just get them there by like, all right, just breathe. Right. Just follow the instructions of this instructor. And it's in, whether you like it or not, it's most likely going to get you there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's 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 the other thing, you know, capacity. I love that you said that word, right? Uh, because um, one of the guys in my men's team uh, recently, uh, he's an engineer. So being an engineer, he used formula and he said, you know, pressure is, I think he said, force divided by surface area. And I was just thinking like, uh, uh, as men, we often experience, I think as human beings, we experience pressure, but we We are, you know, there's this cultural uh, paradigm of like, you got to, you got to take on as much as you can um, and, and not, not fumble, right? You got to, you got to take as much uh, uh, force onto the surface area that you have and deal with it and uh, breath work and also just uh, emotional, I mean, emotional intelligence, but really uh, uh, nervous system work uh, you know, working through the body to really see, I think most personal development. So I'll start with the most personal development and, uh, coaching and all the things that are related to books, podcasts, information, knowledge, conceptualization, takes this top down approach. Top down approach is shift your mindset, learn something new and your life will change. And yes, those are the windows. They open up for us, we see the perspective where people freeze is in taking action and creating a new kind of uh, belief in our body that this actually is something that we are, not just know. And uh, what, what, what breathwork is and really uh, our approach in, in, in a lot of our retreats and experiences is bottom up approach. So how is the mind and body connected? And how are the feelings and emotions being reflected in the body and the nervous system? When you do something like breath work, you're increasing, you're not just releasing and resetting, you're increasing your capacity to hold more force, right? You're increasing the, uh, the, uh, the, the surface area so that you can be with more emotions. You can be with more challenges and not collapse under pressure. Right. So I think that's another big thing when it comes to uh, doing this work. We all want to be the best men that we can be. A lot of us are committed to a vision and bringing a vision to life, giving our gift to the world, making an impact, creating a legacy, um, you know, living a life of purpose. Uh, And the truth is that in order for us to do so, We need to expand our capacity, increase our capacity, stretch our nervous system, strengthen our nervous system to be able to hold the vision, hold the purpose, hold the mission in the midst of challenges. And breathwork is a great tool to create that expansion because we all have a threshold. Different for all of us based on our experiences and the the things that we've gone through and what we've train ourselves to be with Um, and we all embody something right we embody that threshold if we want to create um you know something new and close the gap between who we are and who we're becoming rather than wait for time to do that for us there's an opportunity to take action that continues to shift the memories and the understanding that our nervous system has about who we are. And breath work is a great way to do that, but also other somatic uh, modalities and practices, um, kind of bridging the worlds together, the emotional intelligence with the tools that allow us to kind of uh, shift who we are from the bottom up so that, you know, we don't get lost in anxiety and depression because the things that we've learned aren't being, uh, aren't showing up in how, in how we live our lives. Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot of the men's
0: work and breath work and all that. I kind of want to shift gears here. Um, How have the psychedelic use kind of impacted uh, and helped you bridge a lot of these gaps? And because I know they've done wonders for me. So I want to hear your experience with uh, psychedelics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That biggest windows (laughs) that (laughs) I've ever had. And uh, once I I, I once once heard uh, someone share. Uh, their experience in using, uh, a helicopter as a analogy or, or metaphor. I always confuse those two. Just taking ownership of that. Uh, but he said that it's kind of like, um, seeing the, you know, there's a mountain and there's a peak and you can only see this one side of it. And, uh, when you take, when you, when you, uh, you know, um, uh, experience the psychedelic journey, or an altered state of consciousness. It's almost like the, the, the helicopter, you go on the helicopter and you're, you're able to go all around the mountain. You get to see the peak, what's up there, what you're heading towards, what's underneath all the nooks and crannies. And then you come back down. Right. And then you, you can kind of, then it's, then it's up to you to integrate. So I always like to, I, I love to repeat that, uh, analogy because it really resonated, um, For me, psychedelics opened up a window to a deeper understanding of who I am beneath all the layers, all the paradigms, all the, uh, you know, identities that we've spoken about throughout this, this, uh, this conversation um, and allowed me, it was almost like a remembering. I feel like every time I've experienced psychedelics, there's a there's a journey of releasing. All of those things. And sometimes it's very emotional. Sometimes very cathartic. Sometimes it's uh, it's very challenging. And then there's almost this feeling of remembering. It. The closest thing I could uh, describe it to is how I felt when I was a child. You know, it's like like oh like I just am, and I have I I you know all this other stuff. My responsibilities. Um, my challenges, my, uh, identities, all these things are things that I adopted throughout my life and I get to, you know, uh, be with them, but they don't necessarily define me. And, uh, I will also say tying it back to men's work last year I had, uh, I, I was able to sit in a, uh, in ceremony with 40 men, uh, Native Americans peyote ceremony and um the prayer the intention was about healing the masculine and uh i remember in that experience i felt deeply connected with my late grandfather and whether it was you know i i feel it and i know it was him but for anyone else listening regardless of how of what you believe. It was this experience that I had with my grandfather where he was healing through me. And I just felt almost like this, um, this, uh, this message that said, you know, unless you fully embrace and honor all the shadow parts of yourself and the, 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 Toxic masculinity that has been a part of your family um, And I said that with air quotes, right? Uh, but just the toxic behavior that has been perpetrated by the men in your family, then you can't fully access the healing and the healing power of the of the of the masculine right? So I have to honor all those parts of myself forgive them and be with them, honor them, in order to then uh, access the, the, my, 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 my full power and just how I want to show up in the world. And that was really powerful. That's, that's, that's one of my most recent and powerful psychedelic journeys. And it had to do with healing the masculine. And through that, I was able to see how I still carry shame about my grandfather still carry shame about um, some men in my life still carry shame around the masculine within me. Uh, I I connected and saw, you know, opened up some windows to realize like, wow, these are ways that I've been thinking have been, you know, healthy ways uh, of of moving, of leading, but they're actually in response to that shame. And I get to uh, relinquish those and decide what it looks like for me, um, to, 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 to integrate those qualities and leave behind the ones that are in alignment. So it's been powerful, bro. Uh, and I'll close that part off by saying that it is just a helicopter as well. So in rites of passages, there's typically three stages. There's severance, threshold and incorporation and incorporation is really integration what that means is you're a caterpillar you go into the cocoon you go through the metamorphosis which in many uh in many ways is the psychedelic experience and then you come out now you're a butterfly right all your habits everything that you've done till this moment in your life you know part of you died and a part of you was born um are that of a caterpillar you know, everybody knows you as a caterpillar. Now you got to come home and take action and establish this new reality, this new uh, uh, version of who you are in the world and in your relationships. I, I think one thing that ends up happening a lot is that men and women, but I've seen this in a lot of men who've stepped into our spaces, and I've seen glimpses of this within myself, is there's this, there's this addiction to taking the hot helicopter ride and seeing – the opening up the windows and seeing what's possible and having the clarity and the, the release, et cetera, this is lack of integration and really embodiment of what we've learned throughout those journeys. So, um, I'm, I'm always, uh, my philosophy for myself is, um, you know, psychedelic journeys are really powerful way to create deep shifts and all of myself, my mind, my body, my heart, spirit, and really connect to the deepest truth of who I am. And integration is an embodiment, is a core piece to making all of those things count, all of those shifts count. Beautiful, man.
0: Um, two things I want to touch on from that is, one is I had a similar experience. Uh, my father wasn't around. He, My mom kicked him out when I was, Only like a couple months old i think he i think he was smoking crack or something in the basement it was the 80s i think he was like already into partying but then like it escalated to at some extent and so she kicked him out and he was i only seen him a couple times when i was younger basically he would say he was going to come pick me up and i think he picked me up like a few times but not very much and um i found myself Uh, towards the end of a really deep psilocybin experience um, just like with like a vision of him and saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. And he was still alive at the time. He passed away during COVID. I don't know much about it. My mom heard from an old friend through the neighborhood or whatever, but um, I hadn't spoke to him in 20 years or whatever. And, but it was just bizarre how healing that experience was where I felt like I no longer had to carry that part of me of, Maybe I'm I'm trying to prove something with being a uh, trying to be an entrepreneur or trying this podcast or trying out different things. It was almost like a, a you know an ego kind of complex that I was carrying around. Like, well, I'll show you. Since you weren't around, I'm going to be super successful or do this or do that. And, now i I, it's more just for me right like i'm no longer holding on to that piece of me i I forgave him for that there is nothing that can change it there's no reason to hold on to it it's just part of my story it's not it's not me it's not my story it's just part of it and it's made me a lot of who i am anyways just not having around and having to learn things on my own of course everybody would love a great loving father in their life but um, i'll turn around probably and be a much better father than. You know, most fathers because I never had one. So there'll be certain things that I take from that. And then second on the integration approach, uh, do you know my uh, my uh, friends, uh, Ta Cole? It's Ta Whitty and then uh, Cole.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you know? I don't, I don't know them personally, but I know of them. I follow them. And I've seen their work. Oh, down. do
0: you follow them? Okay, yeah. They have a yeah. uh, they have a new kind of uh, psychedelic integration coaching program that they're uh, putting out that they they've started putting out. So it's It's basically like a legal end of it. Like you can allow people to go do their own psychedelic uh, adventures, whether they go to the jungle or they go to some guy in L.A. or wherever they go. But then they are turning back into you after the experience to integrate. And it's called the Condor Approach. They actually were just on uh, Luke Story's podcast, his most recent podcast. They were just on that explaining the whole thing. So I haven't listened to that podcast yet. They've been on there before. And I heard the first one. But that one literally just came out like a couple days ago. But yeah, that would be something that maybe you'd be super interested in as far as like yeah. the whole integration piece like, they're, they're dope. They've been in the space for a couple of decades, I think, or I don't know. I know Cole was like trained by shamans over in South America for a long time. And they were, I don't think they made a bunch of money for like a long time, but they were just, we're living our purpose. We're living our purpose. And now they're like in these circles with the, with the Luke stories. And a lot of they, they speak at paleo FX and they hang out with like the guy who runs paleo fx and stuff like that so they've really made a name for themselves sticking to their guns and sticking to what they truly believed in and uh the integration is like the biggest piece for them and they wanted to create a whole program where after people do their psychedelic experiences they can Integrate with a coach, basically, and then so the coach isn't getting in any trouble. He's not being a shaman or leading any any uh, facilitation. So if anyone's doing psychedelic practices and they're wondering how to integrate and lost on that aspect, maybe check out uh, talk Hole's page and their Condor approach, because that's that's probably top notch in my opinion. Because
1: I just know how good of work they do in the psychedelic space. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And it's definitely yeah. something I'll look into. Um, I have a couple people in my network who specialize in psychedelic integration as well. And it's, it's powerful work, you know, it's like with anything, there's uh there's this emergence of these powerful tools. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes there's the, the gaps that reveal themselves first and then kind of like the tools that come after that for integration. Right. So, um, I mean, Michael Pollan said this in his documentary, like uh, on Netflix, about how to, ch- you know, how to change your mind, and it was all about psychedelics. I don't know if you've watched it, but um, he touches on, you know, here his thoughts are that, you know, psychedelics are are, are very powerful. They're not for everyone, and um, with this growth of of uh, awareness around them and access to them. There's also this need for um, integration because a lot of people can get hurt uh, not only in the experience, but I think mostly after um, if they don't really integrate uh, and have an understanding as to what happened in the experience and how can I bring it into my life on an everyday basis when I'm not tripping. <laughs> yeah, the
0: the thing about it is is people think it's all like, butterflies and fairies when you're in it but it it really does shatter a lot of your reality down to the most minuscule habits that you have and how things aren't serving you and that can actually be very very tough for a lot of people like you start looking at every single thing that you do and you're like and you want to make these dramatic shifts and changes but the human body doesn't really work that way We're, we're creatures of habit and they can really help like i can i've cut habits off like that after psychedelic experience, experiences for sure but also a lot of times you don't and then you kind of like get down on yourself or kind of beat yourself up because now you're in this this state of knowing right like now you you know what doesn't serve you yet you still drink a coffee at 5 p.m or whatever the fuck it is that you realize is super super stupid and not serving you um or just like some a lot of, a lot of relationship stuff and little childhood traumas you've worked through they don't just go away like you've been doing these things for decades and it's like but it's tough because you get this realization you get this third person kind of aspect like you said the helicopter going around the mountain but to me it's like that i'm like a third person looking at all my baggage of shit like i'm rummaging through all my luggage and it's like oh this shit's not serving me this isn't serving me but you get out of there and you're like, a lot of people can be like, where the hell do you even start? Like, where do I? how do I even unpack this? So I definitely think probably integrating with somebody, a professional is probably legit or at least um, integrating with whoever the shaman is that you're with. And hopefully you're working with somebody who's uh, a professional and who's not just some some guy, you know, with a bunch of mushrooms and they're having 10 people over to his house. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you touched on something that, that kind of goes back to the bottom-up approach, right? I think beyond psychedelics, uh, the personal development space uh, tends, uh, the per- personal development tends to create a lot of anxiety and depression. And I see this all the time. I've seen this within myself. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I have my degree in psychology. Uh, but I I didn't really know how to process my emotions and I hadn't gone into the, the, those depths. I had read about um, masculine emotional intelligence and uh, how to approach my conf- the conflict in my relationship differently. But when the conflict showed up, my body would respond differently and I would react and I would beat myself up. I would feel like, fuck, I know what I want to do. I know what's wrong. I know how showing up is not in alignment with where I want to, uh, how, who I want to be, why isn't this matching how I'm, how I'm acting? Right. So I, I think uh, um, you know, reading a lot of books, for example. You know, I think when we first start going on our journey, we're like, how many books can I read? And I think in the beginning of the whole, uh, you know, Instagram entrepreneurship kind of uh, amplification in like 2016 and 15 and 17, it was all about how many books can you read. Um, And how much information can you take in? And I think the effects of that is a lot of people read or listen to podcasts or learn something new or gain information about their trauma, um, but aren't actually, uh, don't know where to start, where to, what to do, what to, to, how to, how to implement it and how to embody it, like really bring it to the body. So, it goes beyond psychedelics. Psychedelics is obviously the ultimate helicopter. It's like we're taking you all the way, whereas, you know, and even then every every journey is different, right? So sometimes I'm going up to this peak and another time I'm on this peak, um, but it can happen with a book. I've seen it. You know, I've, I've gone through it reading a book and it blows my mind and opens up some windows for me to rebe- reveal something new. And then I feel kind of, uh, uh, I just beat myself up and feel down for not being able to, like, show up based off of what I read in that book, and know I want to show up as. Um, so yeah, just I think I think incorporating the body is really what it what it comes down to, because uh, even when we're integrating, it's usually a deeper understanding of what came through, and then figuring out ways to take action in our lives so that we benefit from it in our relationships, in our interactions with the world.
0: 100%. Beautiful. So you've touched on um, these rite of passages a couple of times. So for, I think, because me and you both know what they are, we've kind of just like said it like nonchalant, but I would imagine 95% of men listening to this or women probably don't know, even know what a rite of passage is. So why don't you um, explain what, why even, people do write of passages, what they look like, why they're important, and, you know, why should anyone embark on something like that?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, all of us come from the lineage of ancestors who practice nature-based uh, wilderness rites of passages. Uh, if we really look back, there was typically um, some sort of rite of passage in our lineage that, uh, supported men, supported boys across the threshold into manhood, right? And obviously, you know, when we think about rites of passages, we can list a few things that maybe are, you know, are not relevant to, uh, uh, or even like uh, safe or or considered morally appropriate today in today's day and age. But similar to masculinity, I think we need to look at the intention. Right, A uh, rite of passage, really the intention is to draw that line um, and, and, and create a shift from one stage of our life to the, the next. When we're children, we're usually nurtured, we're given everything that we need. Um, we think everything is about us, right? And back then, when we think of primitive cultures, uh, uh, it was literally a matter of life and death to mark that shift from being a child to being an adult and contributing back to uh, interdependence, right? Contributing to the community, contributing and uh, and giving your part to the community so that it can give to you. And a lot of things are rite of passages. You know, when you think of losing your virginity, you think of uh, graduating high school, you think of losing a parent, uh, having your first child, first heartbreak, Those can all be considered rites of passages. However, uh, not all of them have the intention and the standards and the uh, kind of uh, support needed to create something meaningful out of it that isn't just uh, self-serving, but serves the world, our community, and ourselves. So um, although, you know, rites of passages don't need to and shouldn't look the same as they used to. One thing's for sure. And I think we could all, uh, uh attest to this, that, um, pain could turn into purpose. Right. But we, we sometimes need clarity. We sometimes need to know what we're made of. We sometimes need a break and like a crack in our psyche that allows for something new to come in. And, uh, what we do um, you know, just the lineage that, that has been passed down to me um, is bridge those ancest that ancestral wisdom with the modern tools like coaching, embodiment training, uh, guiding. Um, you know, a modern understanding of what leadership looks like. You know, we're no longer um, you know uh, fighting uh, wars the way that we used to. We're no longer fighting bears in order to stay alive. We are facing off with different challenges and part of us, you know, in our psyche, I think we're still uh, watching out for the tiger behind us, but, uh, but, you know, there's, there's different, there's a different threshold or a different world that we are experiencing today. So we bridge those two together in order to support men in creating a transition from who they are to the deepest, and into the deepest and fullest expression of their truth and their power for the sake of um, their community, the world, and themselves. And what that looks like is typically includes three stages. Uh, The severance stage, you think about touched on this before, the caterpillar, and really getting clear on who we were before this shift. Uh, Think about fatherhood, right? You can know you're becoming a father because you're about to have a child, but if you don't intentionally use that threshold as an opportunity to embody the man you want to be now that you are becoming a father, you can just be a dad because you know you, you contributed to a child being born, but not necessarily um, actually be a father that is contributing to the well-being of this child emotionally, physically, and all those things, right? So severance is really understanding of what what we're leaving behind who we are up to that point in our lives before we step into the cocoon which is threshold right and this is an ordeal think about joseph campbell's hero's journey if if anybody's watched the uh, 300 or gladiator or lion king let's bring it to as simple as lion king right think about lion king he gets lost he's carrying shame for his father's death He uh, then has the opportunity to return, face this ordeal, which is his uncle in order to claim his true purpose, which has always been to be the king for the sake of not himself, like his uncle's trying to do for the sake of the jungle and and everyone in it. So this ordeal is what threshold is. It's, you know, Simba comes back to fight Scar. It's you going out into nature and really creating conditions for clarity to understand who you are when you strip away all the modern conditioning, strip away all the stories, all the trauma, all the bullshit that you leave in this world and go out there to really peel back. It's also where you find out where you're made of, right? An ordeal means that a part of you is brought forward that you didn't know was there. So there's some discomfort and that's where the guides come in. You know, if you think about, uh, Um, If you think about uh, a gang or you think about a fraternity, right, uh, usually it's uninitiated men initiating men. And what that means is that um, there's no proper guidance or integration, guidance into and integration out of the experience, allowing men to really... um, get the most out of it, right? So the guides come in, in, you know, preparing you for you, what you're about to face off with. And even though there is preparation, going back to embodiment, then there's there's this opportunity to put these things into action. Like, for example, you're out in nature, you build a fire, can you build a shelter, right? Can you uh, really fend for yourself? Can you move past the discomfort of being hungry? for four days. And what does it mean for the sake of what, right? So there's this element of I'm going through this in for the sake of what's coming out of it. And then the last piece is integration or incorporation where when you return, you are received by other initiated men. And similar to where this conversation started, you're surrounded by others who are supporting you in becoming that man embodying that man and being the butterfly and shifting things around so that the world acknowledges you and sees you as this butterfly rather than what you used to be, right? So all of these things allow men, I don't speak for myself, it's one of the most powerful experiences that I've ever had beyond any psychedelic journey because it allowed me to really understand who I am and what I'm made of. And it makes every other challenge that I come back to in my life look like um, a simple roadblock. It's like, oh, okay, I got this. There's some fears there, but I made it through four days of fasting. I thought I was going to die, and I made it through. And it cracked something open in me that made me realize that I can actually – I will be okay. Worst case scenario, I end up uh, having to, to, to create a shelter – in the forest and fend for myself for for a couple days if that's the worst case scenario i'm good right so uh, it's a little bit of uh insight but i uh, just want to end it off with this that uh, there's a proverb an african proverb that says if we don't initiate our boys into men they will burn the village down or they will light the village on fire just to watch it burn." right so when we think of all the issues we have in the world and going back to the the raping, the pillaging, and even today, the wars and the the, uh, the uh, CEOs that are self-serving and only focus on their own interests, all of that comes from the little boys and grown man bodies because there's been this traffic jam in adolescence that... Uh, are acting from a selfish place rather from a place of service.
0: Beautiful. I love that because from what I've gathered, I've never done a rite of passage, but it's, it seems like culture, they usually do it when kids are like 12, 13, or what, just depending on the the tribe, I would imagine, or the culture. But what it does is, it's like, okay, now you're a man. Now you provide for the community. It's a step from adolescence into manhood, whatever age that may be for them. And for us, we kind of just at 18, we decide we're adults because we can go serve in the military or we can buy cigarettes or whatever the hell, but we've never really been initiated. We kind of do what society and culture thinks is like what is manhood? Uh, How many girls can you get with or go to the bar? How much money can you make? And So um, do you see a lot of people uh, still doing the rite of passages, even though they're like adults because they feel like they've never been initiated? Like in another tribe, we would may have done it when we were like a teenager. But do you see like 35 year olds, 40 year olds thinking like, wow, I've never been uh, really I've never went through a process that made me from a boy to a man. Because I'm thinking some people might be listening and thinking, well, I'm already like 35, like I've been a man. Like but you could still grow, experience a process like this and be and be initiated into manhood and into your purpose, right?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean even if you look at um uh indigenous cultures and and uh and how how they uh utilize the tool of a rite of passage. There were rite of passages at different stages of their journey. So there was rite of passages into fatherhood. There were rite of passages into elderhood. There were different rite of passages throughout the journey. And just to go into more like of examples, um, I've had some really uh, good good friends and also men I deeply respect that are leaders, um, that are great fathers, that Um, Are even in the men's space and are pretty well-known authority figures in the space. Uh, One of them, I will mention his name, who I actually fasted with. He was just marking a threshold from where, from one stage of his life into the next. So uh, really, that's what we bring in is less of a. This is something just for you know. Even in our language and in our content, we focus less on. Excuse me, boys to men. And our focus is on transitioning into initiating the next evolution of your life and leadership, because any, or we're going through hero's journeys throughout our lives. Our lives are one big hero's journey. And yes, there's that moment in adolescence, but one, most of us haven't had that experience. And two, even if we did have something in our lives that did shift us into a different stage of the journey, there's a, there's a hero's journey within that stage as well. And, um, Creating a a space for an ordeal like this is uh, is something that helps us draw that line in the sand. And youngest youngest uh, man that's come out with us to fast is my my fiance's brother. He came out when he was 17, right. And the oldest man that uh, or the the eldest man in uh, that we've brought out, if I'm not mistaken, was 62, right. And and he's Wow. A man that I deeply respect, and he was just marking, he was he was owning his role as an elder he was stepping into. And then someone that uh, you know my my lead guides uh, just recently took out, I deeply respect and I consider an elder as well. And he's above 70. and he was marking his threshold into uh, not being an older man being an elder, which is something that is a whole other conversation, right? Um, but just want to say that in primitive in, in in indigenous cultures, primitive cultures, just our lineages of rites of passages. There were usually rites of passages to mark different stages, significant stages of our journey. And um, whether it's you know it looks the same uh, based on how we do it. For example, we've we've had men at all different stages, all different backgrounds, all different levels of success come out and decide to mark threshold. Um, our job as guys is to uh, really, p- like, find your edge, lead you to it, and then let nature kind of guide, guide the rest of the way. Um, and it always reveals something. So regardless of how old you are and how many experiences you've had, um, it's, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful fucking experience.
0: That's amazing. And I'm going to try that out one day. Maybe I get all my ducks in a row after being sick and uh feeling good where I would fast for four days, I have to come check out one of those very passages. I hope we've been going while you got another few minutes. You wanna talk about like two more little concepts or you gotta go?
1: Uh I do got I time? do gotta go. Yeah. I, I gotta head out. I blocked out some time, okay. but um would love to, okay, to, cool. to I was gonna
0: get into the rewild and stuff, but if you wanna just touch on like uh, you know, kind of promote yourself from the coaching program or whatever else, uh, let people know where they can find you, all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Well, um, best place to find me is, uh, uh Instagram. Um, so you could visit, you know, at our Jose underscore Alejandro. My website is josealejandro.co. Um, everything there from, you know, the rites of passages, modern Renaissance, man, my own uh, personal uh, coaching work and programs, and uh, as well as rewilding, which is coming up. That's speaking about connecting men to their inner nature. Um, We have uh, a trip into the Amazon jungle. We're bringing purpose-driven men together to have an embodied uh, Amazon experience. So the focus is on bridging the embodied leadership training and men's work with uh, with just a nature immersion and uh, indigenous culture experience um, not to become a, a hunter-gatherers but to strip away all modern um, you know conditioning and really get to understand what our true nature is so that we can bring back our truth our power from an open-hearted place. So Instagram website, And uh, if you're curious about MRM, uh, you'll find that in my website as well. But you can also visit themrmofficial.com and get some more specific information there about everything we offer and all the tiers of brotherhood that are available.
0: Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Greatly appreciate it. I know you'll probably be back on sometime. We'll keep the conversation moving forward.
1: Yeah. Likewise, brother. I appreciate you. It's an honor. Uh, Really grateful to be here and I'm always up for conversation. We'll definitely uh, uh, cue some things uh, for our next, for our next episode. Yes, sir. Later on, brother.
0: If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at integrative Matt until next time, my friends.